Welcome to the Pauls of the Prairies podcast, brought to you by Saskatchewan Pauls Growers. Here we share information about farm practices, pulse markets, research outcomes, market development efforts, and much more. My name is Sarah Anderson, and I'm the agronomy manager with Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Greg Bartley, who is Director of Crop Protection and Crop Quality with Pulse Canada. Greg has a master's degree in plant science and is a certified crop advisor. At Pulse Canada, he works to ensure the Canadian pulse industry benefits from access to affordable crop protection products through minor use registrations and adoption of import tolerances and maximum residue limits in the global marketplace. Greg, thank you for joining us today. We're going to discuss the 2022 Keep It Clean campaign, including what is new this year and what growers need to know. Greg, first, let's start by telling us what is the Keep It Clean initiative and who are the partners involved? Sure. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about the Keep It Clean program uh, on the podcast. So the Keep It Clean uh, program is a, a joint initiative of the Canola Council of Canada, Cereals Canada, Pulse Canada and the Prairie Oak Growers Association that provides growers and crop advisors with resources for growing market ready crops. So this includes providing timely updates on potential market risks uh, associated with with certain practices on farm, as well as resources for on-farm practices to ensure crops meet the standards of both our domestic and export customers. And how long has Keep It Clean been going on? Yeah, I think so. The Keep It Clean program was first started by the Canola Council of Canada, uh, I think around 2015. Uh, and since then, uh, around 2017 is when, when Pulse Canada joined the program uh, to, to communicate the, a lot of these, this market access information. So uh, over that time, it's been about five years now since Pulse Canada has been participating okay. and uh, we, we've watched it evolve into what it's uh, as known today as. Maybe just taking a step back and, and sort of the, the why it was started. You mentioned market access, but why is this important to growers and, and what was the gap that wasn't there before Keep It Clean was started? For sure. Yeah. So, so Keep It Clean is important. Just, you know, if we take a look at Canadian agriculture in general, you know, we are really export dependent. You know, if we just look at pulse crops themselves, we export over 85% of our, our pulse crops to over 130 different countries. So lots of market access considerations when we're, we're exporting that large volume of our crop, but also to all the different uh, countries uh, that, that we deliver our, our crops to. So being so export dependent, uh, we really have to pay attention to the standards that are set by those importing countries. And in some cases, and unfortunately, you know, those standards are, are different than what we have here in Canada. So um, when we think of the standards, this is typically things uh, related to uh, sanitary and phytosanitary issues. So crop diseases, uh, uh, crop protection products and the residues, uh, this all falls under uh, these SPS uh, types issues. So the, the gap really was uh, over time, we're seeing these types of standards, uh, uh, difference in standards uh, increase in our export markets and, and causing a little more trade concern. So what the Keep It Clean program is really trying to do is, is communicate, you know, when we have a, a risk in our export markets and if there's something that can be done at the farm level, uh, you know, a simple change in agronomic practices or, or considerations before doing practices to help avoid those, those, those market access risks. Oh, excellent. I just, you mentioned uh, the acronym SPS. Can, can you just clarify? Sorry, yeah, sanitary and phytosanitary uh, issues. Uh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and, and just, yeah, for a little bit of additional clarification, you know, we're used to looking at this through the lens of, of our pulse crops, and you mentioned cereals and canola. 
are all crops impacted by the, the Keep It Clean um, initiatives and product advisories? Yeah, so so since the partners are canola, cereals, pulses, you know, okras, um, a lot of the information you see is, is tailored to those crops. But I, I think a lot of the messages really relate to, to all crops you grow on farm. You know, when, when we talk about the, the simple tips later on, uh, you know, these are simple messages that, that are applicable to, to all of our crops. And, and we know that, you know, we export more than just these crops. So I think the message can be applied to, to all the crops we grow, you know, on our farm. That being said, though, a lot of the information is tailored to to the, the commodity associations that, that actively participate in the Keep It Clean program. So so that's where the focus is. But, you know, the message is, is applicable, you know, right across the farm in many cases. Perfect. I think that maybe provides a good segue. Um, there's uh, five simple tips to keep crops market ready uh, that the Keep It Clean initiative covers. And I'm wondering if you can walk us through those those five simple tips. For sure. Yeah. So within the Keep It Clean program, we, we try and, you know, differentiate or simplify the messages into what we call the five simple tips. So I'll just list them off real quick and then and we'll dive deep into them a little more deeper. So the five simple tips are tip number one, use acceptable pesticides only. Tip number two, always read and follow the label. Tip number three, manage diseases, disease pressures. Tip number four, store your crop properly. And then tip number five, deliver what you declare. So obviously that covers a wide range of things that, that happens on the farm. So if we dig dig down a little deeper into those, uh, tip number one and tip number two are, are really related to crop protection products. You know, what can we do at the farm level to avoid a market access risk and, and how we use our crop protection products, mainly related to, to MRLs, you know, maximum residue limits, the, the residues that are left on, on our crops. So tip number one, use acceptable pesticides only. Uh, what this message is really saying is, is only use products that are registered on your crop in Canada, but also products that won't cause trade concern in our export markets. So that first part is super easy to figure out, you know, is your crop registered? Check the product label uh, if, and make sure it's, it's registered on your crop, super easy. That second part is a little more difficult. You know, it's, it's really not clear when a product can uh, cause a trade concern, you know, that's not found on a label. So what we've done in the Keep It Clean program is if we've provided uh, a simple resource, uh, the, the Keep It Clean product advisory, to help provide that information in terms of when a product could cause a, a market uh, concern. So we provide information related to, you know, it's, it's okay to use uh, or, you know, caution, be informed, you know, go go talk to your buyer before using it or, or simply don't use the product. You know, the trade risk is, is too, too, too great. So you, you can find that uh, the Keep It Clean product advisory to help answer that question, you know, when is a product a potentially cause of trade concern? When we go to tip number two for, for crop protection products, uh, always read and follow the label. Uh, this is really, you know, if when you're going to use the product, uh, make sure you use it properly. So the things we want to highlight here is, is proper application rate, proper application timing, and then the pre-harvest interval. Now, the reason these three things are, are important or why they're being highlighted is that when MRLs are established, the, the maximum residue limits, um, they're established based on the, the label application rates and timings and pre-harvest interval. So if you follow the label and, and maintain and follow the label directions, we know that um, it's not going to uh, residues are not going to exceed the MRLs when they're set here in Canada. So why it's too important to, to pay attention to uh, the rate timing and pre-harvest interval uh, just to make sure the MRLs uh, stay in check. Now, if we get into other things, so so tip number three is, is manage disease pressures. Uh, this gets into to obviously plant diseases. You know, plant diseases can potentially cause trade concerns in export markets. And uh, what we're saying here is, is you really take a, an integrated approach to your pest management on your farm, which 
again, I know many, many farms already do, so this should be a simple one to follow. However, I think when we look at managing disease pressures, a lot of times we think of, you know, maintaining yield, maintaining a good quality, things like that, which obviously is super important. But you could also think of maintaining market access when you're making these decisions on the farm as well. So things we like to highlight is is, is black leg and canola. We know there's potential trade implications uh, for that disease in export markets, but also fusarium on cereals. Uh, we do have some limits in export markets uh, for, for fusarium uh, that, that need to be uh, pay attention to. Uh, if we go to tip number four, store your crop properly. Uh, this is to to pay attention to you know what's what's in your bin, you know. So one message that we get across is is malathion use and, and canola. You know, don't apply malathion in your bin if you're going to store canola in that bin, or, or don't treat your bin with malathion. Is it going to is there going to be in canola in it as that can cause a trade concern? So I think a well known message now, but it's something that's continuous, uh, continuously communicated. The other aspect too is 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 maintaining a good moisture level. You know, make sure you have good ventilation and uh, storing your crop at the correct moisture level. This is important for, for mycotoxin considerations. So there's something called ochratoxin A. So if, you're, if your grain moisture is, is stored at too high of a moisture level, it can contribute to the mycotoxin ochratoxin A. So really important to, to maintain a good moisture level. And, and that's what this tip is really speaking to. The final one, deliver what you declare. Uh, this is, you know, when you when you go to to deliver your crop, you know, mainly at a, a mainline company, uh, you have to sign a declaration of eligibility affidavit. So really, we're highlighting here that uh, pointing out a couple pieces in that declaration that uh, you need to pay attention to that's uh, directly applicable to to what you do on your farm. So for example, it says uh, do not deliver deregistered varieties. So so make sure that the the crops you grow on are, are registered if applicable, and then also pay attention to the, the crop protection considerations in, in those declarations as well. So in, in some cases, we do see where crop protection products are listed on the declaration where it states you cannot use that product on certain crops or will not be accepted. So uh, highlighting that, uh, obviously, that has market access implications and uh, a simple way to to uh, pay attention to when, when you go to sign that declaration. Excellent. I yeah, appreciate you walking us uh, through these tips. I, I think given a glimpse that it's a lot more encompassing than just product choices and, and product application choices. So um, those are really good messagings uh, to, to pass along. Um, just wanted to ask specifically for pulse crops. You mentioned um, storing your crop properly and, and and trying to prevent the development of ochratoxin A. Is that across all crops, including pulses, or is that crop specific yeah so ochratoxin a it is is it relevant to all crops but but typically we we pay a little more attention to, to cereal crops um i think there's there's a little more considerations when storing a crop and, and managing uh a moisture levels that's you know we can see the development of ochratoxin a uh develop a little more quickly but by all means it, it does apply to pulses too where you know if you're if you're storing your crops at, at the incorrect moisture or say you have a lot of uh, weed material and, and you need to dry down that that in your bin to make sure the moisture level is correct. You know, that's that's super important to, to number one, make sure your crop's not heating, but also make sure that we're, we're not getting the development of, of the mycotoxin, ochratoxin A. So um, probably something we don't think about too much, as much for, for pulse crops, but but still uh, as relevant to, to say as, as cereals in these considerations. And, and similarly, on the managing disease pressures, I, I do think our pulse growers are are well versed in in, in crop uh, disease management for for pulse crop. More on a 
you know, just a quality and, and yield perspective. But are there any watchouts for market access in terms of disease with our pulse crops? Yeah, so we, we typically don't have a, a market that, that has considerations for a specific diseases on our pulse crops that, that we're aware of or, or at least communicating. So so I think the consideration here is that, you know, managing disease pressure is just good agronomic practices. You know, if, if you maintain high yield good quality, you know, that in itself, in many cases, contributes to market access uh, in the long term as well. You know, make sure we're, we're, we're producing a high quality crop, something that our export customers are are, are wanting and know Canada to to deliver. So it, it's just good agronomic practices to to manage those disease pressures and, and make sure that we're producing a, a good quality crop that, um, that's, um, that's wanted by our export customers. Uh, these tips, are they in any sort of particular order in terms of do them all or do them all in this order or is it sort of a pick and choose? Yeah, no, I don't think there's any thought given to the importance of the tips. So, you know, tip number one's by no means no more important than, say, tip number four or five. Um, however, they are grouped a little. You know, obviously tip number one, tip number two, you know, being together as, as crop protection. You know, you could think of, you know, make sure your your pesticide is, is acceptable for use before you get into the, the you know, proper application considerations, you know, the time rate, PHI. So there may have been some thought there when developing them. But no, I, I think they're all, all equally important, you know, they do have each have their own market access considerations and uh, i think they, they they can be easily followed um on on farm equally or importance wise so wonderful you've mentioned the the product advisory a couple times and just wondering if we could walk through the product advisory in a little bit more detail and and maybe go through a, a few specific examples so for starters could you just orientate us with the the product advisory and kind of how it's labeled and, and laid out for sure. Yeah. So this, the Keep It Clean product advisory, I think, is one of the, the more known pieces of the Keep It Clean program. You know, I think that growers recognize and, and look forward to every year. So what the product advisory is doing is, again, providing that indication of when a product is acceptable or not. So when you look at the advisory, you know, we've, we've put all the crops together in a single in single document. So you have your seals information, pulse information, and, and there's a canola note there as well. And and what we're trying to do is provide, you know, the specific crop that you're looking at, and then the, the products uh, that may be considered that in terms of causing a market access concern. So what you'll see is there's different classifications for the products. So there could be a, a green check mark, which means, you know, there's no market risk identified. You know, your treated, treated crop will, will likely be accepted by all buyers. Uh, there's going to be a, a yellow exclamation mark. Uh, this is kind of a uh, uh, in between the middle, it's, it's more be informed. You know, what we've identified here is that there is a potential market access concern with at least one market and it's, it's potentially significant. So uh, go talk to your buyer before using that product just to make sure that, you know, if the, the crop that they're buying from you is being exported to that sensitive market, uh, just make sure it's not going to cause a concern in that case. And then finally, there, you're going to find a, a, a red X do not use. And, and this is, you know, pretty clear. It's it's that the, the trade risks are, are too high. You know, in many cases, we see that the, there's no MRLs established in export markets. And if that product is applied, uh, no matter what export market is going to, it's, it's likely going to cause a trade concern. So provide an indication of, you know, do not use that product. There's also a couple, I guess, uh, additional uh, measures too. You know, the way the table is laid out between, you know, the crops and the products, there, there might be a case where we're providing information on a on a, a crop pesticide combination where it's just not registered. So we have an NR uh, uh, notation there that indicates that that crop pesticide combination is not registered for use. And then there's also a, an addition, uh, an MA notation uh, that you can see uh, on advisory, and, and this is under under glyphosate for pulse crops. 
So what this indicates is that, you know, typically when we review the products in terms of market access concern, what we're looking at is the the MRL, the regulatory MRL of missing misalignment or missing MRLs in our export markets. So is there an MRL that's lower than say what we have here in Canada? And that's where we get that trading concern. So what the MA notation indicates is that all of our MRLs are established in our export markets. However, we still see potential market access concerns, typically related to you know consumer perception or, or uh, marketing considerations, uh, meeting customer demands, things like that. So, it's just indicating that you know MRLs are established, but at the end of the day, the marketing reality still indicate there's a potential concern here, and just providing that clarity in terms of why that classification would be found on the advisory. New to the product advisory this year is the active ingredient sethoxidum. Uh, it's found in the herbicide Post Ultra. Could you explain this recent change and describe uh, the pulse crops that growers need to be most wary of? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Stathoxum is is new to the advisory for this year, and and this one's a bit bit different in the case of it's it's really a proactive decision to to place Stathoxum on the advisory. So what's going on here is that in the European Union, uh, we've got indication that the they are going to revoke the MRL for Stathoxum and change the residue definition. So we're going to see the established MRL fall to a, a zero point zero two parts per million level, super low. What we don't know however, is, is when that's going to happen. You know, the EUs gave indication that this is going to happen, but they just haven't given indication when. What we do know, however, though, is that when they do make this decision to to revoke the MRL and drop it to this, this low level, is that we're going to have about a six-month notice period. So six months from the time they make the decision to when it comes into force. The challenge that presents is that that's just not feasible with how we really grow our crops here in Canada and apply the products. So say Sysoxum has just been applied and the EU, let's say, you know, tomorrow they decide that they're going to revoke this MRL. That means six months from now. So in December or or January, again, all hypothetical, say in January, that MRL is no longer there. Now we have all of these these pulse crops here with Cethoxum being applied to it that we can't send to the EU market because now it's non-compliant. So what we've recognized is that we need to be a little more proactive, understanding the potential risk here. And and working with BSF uh, understood that you know it's it's worth putting on the advisory. So you'll see that it's it's classified as a as a yellow. Be informed for lentils and chickpeas. So what this indicates is is go talk to your buyer if if you're going to apply uh, this product uh, post ultra to uh, lentils or chickpeas, just to make sure that it is going to be acceptable if. Uh, if it's going to be sent to the EU. Uh, what it also indicates is that if you are going to apply it, say you want to apply it to lentils, you know, we're giving the direction that um, it's maybe best not to apply that to, to those crops and maybe apply it to a different crop and, and choose a different product in this case. So again, being proactive, BSF was was super great to, to identify the risk and work with. Uh, they actually took a proactive measure and recalled all the, the Solo Ultra and Odyssey Ultra NXT uh, co-packs from, from retail locations this winter. And they replaced them, uh, re- replaced the Cethoxum in those products with a different active ingredient. So if you're going to the retail, you'll, you'll notice a bit of difference for your Solo or, or Odyssey Ultras uh, uh, co-packs this year. Uh, and you don't need to worry about it. That change has already happened. So this message is really relevant to maybe growers that carried over product from the previous year, where those Solar Ultra, Odyssey Ultra, NXT co-packs were still on farm and still contained the Cethoxum. That really message is there to, to go talk to your buyer before applying it to those crops. Or if you have applied it, definitely go go talk to them and, and see if there's any marketing uh, concerns related to that. And uh, 
yeah, so it really sounds like kind of just trying to stay ahead of, of things and, and uh, hedge that risk, um, but it's been mitigated pretty well in, in the marketplace. Um, and the, re- the rationale, again, for peas, just not enough of those going to the EU or different residues? Yeah, exactly. So so the, the MRL change is relevant to all uh, pulse crops. You know, it's applied to, to all pulse crops equally. The reason why we've identified lentils and chickpeas here is, is really looking at, you know, what is cethoxone, what crops are cethoxone being applied to? Obviously, lentils are, are, are the big one here, but also looking at the proportion of exports of those crops to the EU market. And this is where chickpeas kind of gets gets dragged into it a little bit. Um, you know, of all the, the crops, the lentils and chickpeas, we see a, a higher proportion of those crops being exported to the EU. So always that risk level is a little higher. If you look at, say, say peas, you know, the proportion of peas going to the EU compared to other export markets is, is a lot lower. So we feel that the risk of a applying cethoxone to peas is a lot less than say to lentils and chickpeas. So it's, it's actually one of those, those, you know, pieces of advice that, you know, if you, if you did have cethoxone and you were going to apply to lentils, applying it to peas is, is, is a good way to use up that product or as an alternative instead of just being stuck with the product. So that's, that's the rationale for, for the different uh, classifications. Okay, excellent. And, and what about other in-crop or fungicide products? Are there any others that growers should be aware of? Uh, kind of as they continue through the, the season to harvest? Yeah, for sure. I, I think typically when we, we see the product advisory, it's, it's, it's more of the, the late season fungicides or pre-harvest products. So it, it's a pretty unusual to, to have a, a product like Cethoxone on the advisory, but obviously that risk is still there. So as we continue down the advisory, we, we see a, a fungicide product, uh, Chlorothalonil. So this is applicable to chickpeas. Obviously, a super important uh, uh, fungicide product on chickpeas, the Bravo, uh, and we recognize that. However, the reason why it's on the advisory is, is again, to the European Union, uh, they've revoked this MRL. So this is actually in place now, so that MRL is no longer there. So what we're communicating here is, again, to go talk to your buyer. Uh, if you're if applying chlorothalonil on chickpeas, uh, make sure that uh, those chickpeas going to the EU won't cause that trade concern. So... This is a bit tough one where we're trying to give a, a little more clarity to to both farmers, but also to to our exporters where, you know, we're, we're not 100 percent clear what this trade risk is. Um, we have some data that indicates that uh, detectable residues are, are not a concern for chlorothalonil chickpeas. So if you apply the product, uh, you won't see residues on the crop. Obviously, that's a good scenario to be in and, and still allows us to, to export that, that that crop. However, there is some data that also indicates that there is a, a potential concern. You know, we do see those detectable residues. So. What the message here is, is again, talk to your buyer uh, before using the product, but also say for exporters too. You know, if our exporters are exporting chickpeas to the European Union, you know, make sure we do some testing before that product goes out. And that'll also help with our familiarity, you know, with, with this issue as well. You know, as we get more data in terms of, you know, tests of chickpeas that had chlorothon applied to, and it keeps coming back that you know, detectable residues are, are are not there, you know, that gives us a little more confidence in, in telling growers, okay, you know, we're, we're okay to keep using this product. Uh, it won't cause that trade concern. So that helps in the long, long run as well. Yeah, I really appreciate that that context. As, as you said, a, a pretty important uh, fungicide uh, product for our chickpeas, uh, especially as we, you know, think about uh, fungicide insensitivity and other groups. So great to have that awareness and, and stay ahead of it without, you know, revoking uh, a product at, at this time. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, harvest is uh, is sort of where we really lean on these product advisories as as we think about sort of the last applications before uh, before the grain hits the bin. 
harvest is a little a little ways off actually you know seeding not wrapped too long ago but wondering if you can walk us through the use of let's say glyphosate that's always a big one pre-harvest weed control uh using glyphosate in our pulse crops for sure yeah so i think when we talk about pre-harvest glyphosate you know pre-harvest glyphosate has been a, a, a key part of the keep it clean program for for many years now and it, it's really an important message to keep getting across so what we try to communicate in the keep it clean program is, is really the the proper use of pre-harvest glyphosate so what, what does that mean? Uh, it's really clarifying that uh, or reaffirming that glyphosate is, is registered for pre-harvest weed control and it's not to be used as a desiccant. So we're, we're not using glyphosate to, to, to speed up maturity or, or, or dry down the crop. It's really to, to control those weeds in crop, uh, which is, you know, obviously an effective tool to, to, to utilize in that case. When it is being applied, uh, it's really important to know that pre-harvest glyphosate should only be applied once grain moisture content is less than 30%. 30% in the least mature part of the field. And this includes any areas of, of regrowth with seed production. So in the past year or two where we've seen a bit of, you know, staginess of the crop or, or it's been really dry and then we get a late season rain and, and get a little more regrowth happening, you know, it's really important to, to pay attention to those areas too, to, to make sure that, you know, our staging uh, considers the, those aspects as well. So, so why 30%? You know, we, we talk about this 30% grain moisture content all the time, which, you know, in some cases is, is not very clear because we, we don't go around measuring the, the moisture content of a grain. You know, we rely on visual characteristics. The reason 30% is provided as that, that key indication of, of, of timing is it's directly related to physiological maturity. We know that glyphosate's a systemic product. It can move, it moves within the plant. So if you get to 30% moisture content, we're at physiologic maturity, and we don't see that movement of nutrients in the plant, you know, that source of sink movement into the seed uh, once that plant uh, seed has reached physiologic maturity. So if you apply it above 30%, we're still getting that, that source of sink movement, and we can see the glyphosate residues move within the plant into the seed. You know, that's when we could have potentially uh, elevated residues. So that's why that 30% moisture content is, is super critical. So when we get to the proper staging timing, as, as indicated, you know, we don't go around with our moisture meter and, and looking at the, the moisture levels it's it's these visual characteristics so what we try and do in the keep it clean program is, is provide a staging guide that that really highlights the the proper application timing based on visual characteristics so if we just highlight lentils you know specifically you know lentils uh, what we're looking for is 80 percent of the plant is is yellow to brown seeds from the top third of the plant are, are fully formed and firm seeds from the bottom third are, are hard and tan brown the pods rattle and shaken you know all good information to, to give that indication that the crop has reached that physiological maturity however knowing that lentils are indeterminate can obviously be a, a little difficult to to get that staging across the whole field so you know obviously you know proceed with caution you know take your best judgment to to make sure that you know that staging is is you know across the field or if there's areas that are, are a little behind you know maybe wait a couple of days before allowed to catch up or consider different application timings if you need to uh, just to make sure that you know the, the residues do stay in check and uh, this product is, is is being used properly appreciate the yeah the verbal description i always think that this is really well aided by by visuals so i would encourage anyone listening to uh to check out there is some visuals on the keep it clean website maybe even a couple videos uh that i think you might be featured in greg just walking through some some pulse uh, glyphosate pre-harvest timing so as you said it, it can be tricky um one thing that's sort of unique on the product advisory is you denote green versus red lentil under glyphosate what's going on there 
Yeah, for sure. So I, as I indicated earlier and, and talked about PRS Glyphosate, um, you know, we're we're fortunate enough that this this past year uh, we had all of our MRL potential MRL issues resolved in terms of regulatory MRL. So in the past, we were we we're missing a couple of Codex MRLs, you know, specifically for chickpeas. Uh, at Codex, but this has now been resolved. So, you know, I mentioned that MA notation you know, at the beginning where uh, we indicate that the classification, you know, we have the class the yellow classification for all our pulse crops with this M, with the MA. Uh, that just indicates there's, there's marked access considerations. However, what we've done this year uh, or differentiated this year is, is is a classification between green lentils and red lentils where green lentil, lentils still maintains this yellow classification, the being formed, you know, go talk to your buyer to make sure there's no, no market market access considerations uh, due to that market acceptance of the product. But we've we've provided a, a green green recommendation for for red lentils, you know, indicating that uh, there's no market risk identified in our in our export major export markets, and and treated crops will be accepted by buyers. Uh, the reason why we made that differentiation is is really due to the the differences between green green and red lentils and and how they're being exported. So if we think of red lentil as being exported more in, in say, in a bulk shipment uh, situation, uh, there are still containers going out of red lentils. But, um, you know, when we have that bulk shipment, you get a lot more blending going on. And then the differences in sensitivities in our export markets, you know, where red lentils are going, uh, there's a potential uh, less sensitivities than, than, say, maybe where green lentils are going. You know, I, I provide caution when saying that, you know, I think all of our markets do have those sensitivities and I think we need to pay attention to it. But it, it's really aligning with, with what growers are experiencing at the farm level. You know, the message has always been go talk to your grain buyer before using the product. Uh, we've heard that, you know, farmers are, are talking to a grain buyer and they keep coming back saying, yeah, there's no issues. There are no issues. So we're really uh, making sure that the advisory uh, remains relevant to, to growers and is reflecting what we're seeing at, at, at the farm level and, and make sure it, it, it's aligned with, with the, the experiences that farmers are, are seeing when, when they go talk to your buyers. One thing that I should circle back to while we're in sort of the, the harvest timing that I forgot to mention is just the pre-harvest interval. So we've mentioned a few times in this discussion, but wondering if you can just delve into that a little bit more, what what that actually means um, from a practical standpoint. For sure, yeah. So pre-harvest interval, this stands, um, it's often, sometimes communicated as PHI. Uh, so the PRS interval is is the timing from the the last application of the product. So when you last sprayed that product, uh, and then the number of days between when you cut the crop at harvest time. So we we try and differentiate it. It's the cutting. So if you're if you're straight cutting your crop, you know obviously that's the same time as harvest. But if you're in the, if you're in the situation where you where you swath your crop and then come back and harvest a couple of days later, uh, the PHI ends at the time you you cut that crop. So when it's being swathed. So really important to to stay within that. That's the minimum the number of days that must pass between again that last application when you cut it that's just to make sure that there's enough time for for the residues uh, to break down and that's that's what was considered when the the MRLs uh, were established uh, based on the data that contributes to to what what went into setting that MRL okay so last harvest season uh you know who knows what we're in store for this one but we had a lot of instances where crops were coming in you know faster than expected if it's a day or two ahead of that you know you're expecting seven days but you get five days instead do, do you need to wait 
Yeah, unfortunately, and, and hopefully we don't get in that situation again. But yeah, in, in that case, it's it's really important to, to make sure that you, you wait the necessary days of the PHI. So, for example, pre-harvest glyphosate, the, the PHI is seven days. Um, if you apply it and, and you're ready to harvest in four days, you, you got to wait the seven days. I, I know it's it's tempting, it's it's inconvenient, but it, it really is important to, to make sure we, we wait that time to to not uh, exceed the, the MRLs that are set here in Canada and could cause trade concerns in export markets. So hopefully not in that position again but yeah it's important to keep an eye on the phis you know maybe i'll add if, if you're in that situation and, and you're looking for products that you know maybe has a quicker timeline things like that you know we, we do offer a spray to swath calculator on the keep it clean uh website where you can you can either filter by you know say you're looking for a short time frame you have four days to you know you want to be harvesting in four days but you need to, to dry down that crop in, in certain areas you know you can you can go to the the spray to swath calculator and, and indicate that and it'll list the products that are are available to apply in that short time frame so uh, a little tool that you know maybe can help all that that certain certain situations but could also just provide general phi information too if you want to look up the the pre-harvest interval of a product oh, excellent that yeah sounds like a, a good shortcut I'd be remiss if we moved on from the harvest discussion without asking about glufosinate, um, you know, especially for, for some of those group nine resistant um, weeds. We're looking for maybe a different tool to to come in. Can growers, yeah, what's the, what's the story there? How, how much can they push uh, glufosinate in our pulse crops? Yeah, so you'll see that we, we do have a registration for glufosinate um, on, on lentils in Western Canada. And, and these these in many cases, these are generic registrations, so generic products. Unfortunately, what we see with glufosinate and, and why it appears on the advisory is, is we just do not have the MRLs established in our export markets. And, you know, it's, it's all the export markets. So our, our typical big ones, the EU, uh, Codex, United States, uh, these markets don't have MRLs established or they're established at really low levels. So what we see is that if glufosate is applied to lentils, um, it will cause trade concerns in the export markets, and of course we have seen it. So, um, really important to, to pay attention to this one, and 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 just don't apply glufosate on lentils. It, it's really unfortunate. I know glufosate is is an effective product and, and works good in many cases, but it's it's going to cause trade concerns, and unfortunately we just we just, we have to avoid this product. Okay. No great guidance there. Uh, any other product specifics on the Pulse Product Advisory you'd like to mention or something we didn't cover? Yeah, no, just maybe maybe mention that, you know, if you don't see a product on the advisory, and in many cases, that just means there's no trade concerns. So, you know, this advisory is updated, you know, every year at minimum, but it can be updated during the growing season as well, depending if, you know, there's MRL issues that pop up unexpectedly. Uh, it, it can be updated. So you can always refer back to the Keep It Clean website to, to see if you're using the most uh, recent advisory. But just want to highlight that, um, you know, in some cases, we do see the MRL issues resolved too. So, for example, a couple of years ago, we had, had DICOT on the advisory due to a, a low MRL in the U.S., which was resolved a couple of years ago. So uh, a great scenario to be in to, to resolve these MRL issues and, and make sure growers have access to effective tools. And in that case, the, the product is then removed from the advisory. So just make sure that uh, you're, you're checking back on the Keep It Clean website to, to make sure you got the most recent uh, copy and, and stay up to date with, with what's being communicated. Hey, uh, can you yeah d- direct uh, growers to the Keep It Clean website or, or maybe other areas where they can find out more information or, or learn about other upcoming events or, or resources that you guys have? Yeah, for sure. So we, we try and keep the, the Keep It Clean website up to date as, as much as possible with, with all the relevant information. So you can find the product advisory there. You can find the pre-harvest agent guide, but also, you know, just general resources and, and the five simple tips and even events like webinars. So uh, best place to find all the information, uh, the Keep It Clean website, it's keepitclean.ca. 
www.ca. Uh, you, you'll find all this information. Uh, you can even sign up for for email uh, updates uh, while you're there as well. So uh, a sure way to, to make sure you're, you're staying up to date with all the newest and latest information. You can also check out uh, the Keep It Clean Twitter page. The Twitter handle is at KIC, K-I-C, Canada. Uh, and throughout the growing season, we're always putting out tweets that uh, uh, remain relevant at the, at the timing of the growing season, uh, the things to pay attention to. But you'll also find the information related to you know the webinars that are provided through the season and things like that on the Twitter page as well. So I uh, highly encourage you to, to go sign up for those those email updates and, and follow along on Twitter to make sure that you're you're staying up to date with the, the most recent market access information and, and things you can do at the farm level to, to maintain that market access. Great, lots of options then. That wraps up our discussion today. I want to give a big thank you to you, Greg, for, for joining us and, and thanks to everyone for tuning into this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss upcoming episodes to stay up to date with SPG. You can also subscribe to our mailing list on our website. We send regular updates, keeping you informed on global markets, new technologies, and trends in Pulse production. Thank you for tuning in to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast.